This episode is brought to you by NCSEA's members. For over 40 years, NCSEA's members have enabled our organization to help advance North Carolina towards a clean energy future. If you or your business would like to become a member of NCSEA, you can learn more about us at energync.org. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. Thanks for joining us for episode 12 of Squeaky Clean to hear about the foundation of clean energy, energy efficiency. When NCSEA conducted our 2018 North Carolina Clean Energy Industry Census, we found that, spoiler alert, over 43,000 North Carolinians are employed by clean energy, and over half of those 43,000 are from the energy efficiency sector. Given how huge this industry is and how important it is to clean energy, I knew we had to get this key perspective on the show. In this episode, I'm sitting down with a pioneer of the energy efficiency industry who has solved the complex challenge of providing energy efficiency upgrade opportunities in an equitable way. We love that. But first, let's start with our policy update. So last week, the North Carolina House and Senate did not hold any votes or committee meetings in Raleigh, with most legislators back in their districts. As such, there's really no legislative action to report, but if you've been listening to Squeaky Clean, you know that the main piece of legislation that we've been tracking is Senate Bill 559, which includes the multi-year rate plans that allow the utility in Virginia to over-earn more than $1 billion from Virginia ratepayers. If you want to take a deep dive on this legislation, go back and listen to the first episode of Squeaky Clean. The negotiated conference support for Senate Bill 559 passed the Senate on a 26 to 16 vote on October 2nd, with two Republicans voting no and five Democrats voting yes. The bill has since stalled in the House, primarily due to the bipartisan opposition that is going to make this vote a very close one. As always, we'll keep you updated on the latest developments for this bad legislation. In other news, the final North Carolina Clean Energy Plan, Clean Energy Workforce Assessment, Motor Fleet Plan, and Zero Emissions Vehicle Plan were announced and submitted to Governor Cooper on Friday, September 27th. I'll just hit the highlights of the North Carolina Clean Energy Plan. It was really the flagship plan from everything that came out of Executive Order 80. It was prepared by the Department of Environmental Quality and seeks to reduce electric power sector greenhouse gas emissions by 70% below 2005 levels by 2030 and attain carbon neutrality by 2050. Foster long-term energy affordability and price stability for North Carolina's residents and businesses by modernizing regulatory and planning processes. And third, accelerate clean energy innovation, development, and deployment to create economic opportunities for both rural and urban areas of our state. Go check out the last episode of Squeaky Clean to hear from the head of the Department of Environmental Quality himself, Secretary Michael Regan, and another SPOILER ALERT! He says some very important things about Senate Bill 559, so listen closely. And with that, let's move on to our regularly scheduled programming. Hey! 
Our guest today is a leading expert on energy efficiency. After spending five years implementing the Clinton Climate Initiative's HEAL program in Arkansas, she co-founded EETility in late 2014, determined to help low to moderate income families access the resources they need to make their homes energy efficient. Our guest specializes in utility relations and program management. When not working on all things EE related, our guest enjoys hiking and fishing with her life partner and her three canine companions. So, friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's guest, Tammy Agar. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate an opportunity to visit with your folks and be here in North Carolina today. Definitely. And and what? You're flying back to Arkansas today. Is that correct? Actually, tomorrow. But Tomorrow. Yeah, but I, I'm still in town for the day, so I, one more day to cause trouble. And what were you in town for? Uh, well, I act, we have a, a, a co-op that we work with in uh, called Roanoke Electric Cooperative yeah. in the eastern part of the state. And so we were there yesterday just kind of doing a check-in. Cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. Really looking forward to this. This is something that we've wanted to get on the podcast for a while because energy efficiency is so core, so central to the clean energy conversation. So, Tammy, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into energy efficiency? Well, hold on to your hats. It's a very bizarre story, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to kind of hit the highlights. Um, so not a great segue, but nonetheless true. I used to be in the coffee roasting business. Pause. Yes, <laughs> I was. I was well, in the coffee cheers to that business. because I've got my large <laughs> uh, coffee on my left. <laughs> loving it, loving it. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I, was, I was doing some coffee roasting actually in a, a place called Hamilton, uh, Montana. And uh, Hurricane Katrina hit. And I know we're still working towards the answer here, but it's true. Uh, Hurricane Katrina hit. I was driving down the Hamilton-Missoula corridor to get some supplies for the shop, and I heard uh, the plea from the American Red Cross over the radio listening to NPR, and I heard the plea for 40,000 volunteers, um, and I, I had a quite a soul-searching moment. I kind of went through the Rolodex in my head of all of my responsibilities, none, the, none of which had, had to do with taking care of kids. I didn't have a family. I was fortunate enough to have my own business. I had very competent employees, and I could escape for, you know, three or four weeks and go down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast in particular, which is where this particular request um, was was asking folks to, to show up and help. And so um, I ended up stopping in Missoula and picking up a toothbrush and some clothes and drove on to Hamilton or Helena, excuse me, and took the crash course in emergency response. And believe it or not, three days later, was on an airplane um, to Biloxi. And um, how I got into energy efficiency was, I mean, fast forward from there, it, it essentially, that experience, um, I, I can't really, I mean, it changed my life. I saw a dead horse up in a tree. Um, from that experience, I did find a person, uh, a person who had passed away. Um, I was feeding people off the Red Cross truck. Um, who were so thankful that, you know, we were down there giving them food and then standing behind them was absolutely nothing. They'd lost all of their belongings. And it just was really, uh, it changed me. It, it actually changed me for sure. And um, 
lo and behold, uh, life just sort of took over. I ended up staying down there, ended up selling my business from afar, um, and ended up spending almost three years uh, down in Mississippi responding to Katrina. Uh, came across some folks that worked for the Clinton Foundation out of Little Rock, Arkansas, and George Bush and, and Bill Clinton got together and did a fundraiser um, to support folks after Hurricane Katrina, and they had some dollars to spend, and they wanted, in part, to put some money into the Lower Ninth Ward in New Orleans, and so um, we were asked eventually to go to the Lower Ninth Ward, myself in particular, and um, sort of stand up a rapid rebuilding um, effort in the Lower Ninth Ward, working on folks' homes who uh, were brick or stone that just needed to be gutted out and then uh, refurbished, but with an energy efficiency twist. And that's where, long story short, um, I'm not sure how short that was, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I fell into energy efficiency. Um, I was sitting across from folks who had lost, you know, everything. They were, believe it or not, they had to be uh, elderly, disabled victims of contractor fraud. Um they kind of had to fall into that category because there was so much need down there. We were trying to help the most vulnerable. And part of my responsibility was to ensure that there really was no other resources for these folks, that they they really didn't have anywhere else to turn. Um, and I would see in, in determining if that was in fact true, I would see things like utility bills and Social Security checks, and I would see utility bills that were larger than Social Security checks, and I'd be sitting across from, you know, a person who was 80 years old, um, disabled, again, a victim of contractor fraud, so they had received FEMA money, but it had been stolen from them, um, you know, who had a $500 monthly Social Security check and a six or $700 monthly utility bill, and it's not like they lived in a McMansion. I, you know, 1,500, 1,200-square-foot shot, shotgun house. Um, and I really woke up to how much of an energy burden that these particular folks had, and it, and it woke me up to just the topic of energy burden across the country. So in, in seeing firsthand uh, spending so much time down in the in the Gulf Coast and with folks who were extremely vulnerable people who had been through hell um, from Katrina, who had lost absolutely everything that they ever owned, um, had on top of that been victims of contractor fraud, and were just simply trying to have a roof over their head again. That's all they were asking for. Um, seeing their life actually change for the better uh, once we were able to put them back in a home that was energy efficient, and now that same $500 Social Security check, um, you know, 400 350 of it was now able to be used on things like food and medicine or just living uh, as opposed to getting thrown away on a utility bill that is also, you know, we're also wasting energy, so we're polluting the environment at the same time. It just, uh, I saw that happen, and I saw it happen over and over again, and it, and it forever changed me. It made me want to work in this field and, um, you know, try to improve the lives of people who are 
all around the country who are living with tremendous energy burdens. Thanks for sharing that backstory. That is really compelling. And, you know, it says something about you that it it seems to me that, you know, you really came to energy efficiency and clean energy from the human aspect and the human perspective. You know, a lot of the times when we're talking about energy efficiency from a clean energy standpoint or a, you know, utility standpoint, we're talking about reducing emissions, saving energy, curbing the need for new generation and peaker plants. But what you're really getting to is the human element that is that really is central to energy efficiency and the energy burdens. You know, that's one of the first things that we talked about on this show was the energy burdens that a lot of people face. And I think it goes untold because there are so many things in this world that people have to keep up with, but their energy bills can be a constant threat to their happiness, to their security. So that's really important that you bring that up. I want to talk a little bit about energy efficiency generally as the foundation of clean energy because people think about clean energy, they're automatically thinking about solar, they're thinking right. about wind. They're the thinking, sexy stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. So why is energy efficiency the foundation of this and how does it contribute to our ability to, to install clean energy projects? Well, in my view, no matter no matter what school of thought you come from or how you are looking at energy efficiency or renewable energy, it's, if you think about it, it's really, a, it's unarguable that the cleanest form of energy we have is energy we've already produced that is being wasted. I don't care if it's coming, if it's sources from coal or it's sources from wind or it's sources from solar, if it's being produced, if it's being generated and it's wasted, then um, we are literally throwing away uh, whatever um, whatever vehicle was used to, to, to generate it. And so I fully believe, in fact, utilities, um, you know, little, little mantra under our namesake says efficiency is power. And I mean that literally. Efficiency is power. And in my view, it is the cleanest form of power um, that we already have. We've, we've already built the plants. We've already built the solar arrays. We've already built the wind facilities. And if we're using uh, that generation and throwing it away, we're missing, we're missing something in the equation. Tell us about your company. How did it get started and what do y'all do? Well, picking up kind of where I left off, uh, you know, life did happen. And um, the Clinton Foundation asked myself and my now come, come to, you know, come to be business partner, uh, Johnny Lacaz and a few others to come to Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, right around the time that um, um, the Obama presidency was was um, an- announcing the ARA funds um, to be spent on shovel-ready projects. And we were wrapping up our work uh, in New Orleans when that announcement came about, and the Clinton Foundation, under the Clinton Climate Initiative in particular, uh, wanted really, really to incubate the lessons learned from our project in the Lower Ninth Ward 
and trying to figure out how do you get people to be able to take advantage of energy efficiency opportunities equitably. So how do you reach everyone, leave no one behind in an energy efficiency program? Because obviously that was a gap and has continues to be a gap and a very large gap. And uh, so we were asked to sort of take our experiences to date and our lessons learned and our program operations that we kind of fell into um, and, and relocate to Little Rock and try to incubate uh, a way to do this at scale and leave no one behind at the same time. And so we were asked to relocate to Little Rock, and we said yes. And next thing I knew, I had you know relocated my entire life to Little Rock and now officially moved uh, to the South. Prior to that, I should mention, I, when I was working post-Katrina, I was literally living in a few different environments, none of, the, none of which were a home. I was living either in a tent or I was living in a, in a trailer or I was living in a, in a uh, school gym. Um, there were not many places you could lay your head in during that time. So I was still considering myself a Montana resident and I was sort of commuting. <laughs> and that's kind of the mentality. I, I, I hadn't really Arkansas. said, okay, I've moved to the South because yeah. I couldn't really put my roots down, which in a way kind of, kind of in a very minor way, but nevertheless kind of put me on a similar playing field as the folks that we were trying to help hmm. because they also didn't have a secure roof over their head either. Hmm. Um, and so at any rate, I actually moved to the South at that point. When I moved to Little Rock, I literally you know, literally got the U-Haul and moved and so set up, set up shop in Little Rock. Fast forward there, I worked for the Clinton Climate Initiative, as did my, my now business partner, Johnny Lacaz, and we uh, tried to incubate and, and figure out uh, the task at hand, which was, again, trying to get energy efficiency opportunities, renewable energy opportunities equitably uh, to everyone. And uh, you know, we, we had some success with some, some of our efforts. We had some failures with some of our efforts. That's what incubating and, and a nonprofit's all about. Um, but our goal was to sort of work ourselves out of a job in the sense that we wanted, uh, you know, the business world to sort of take over um, whatever we came up with and make it scale. And um, at one point, Johnny and I had a conversation and we said, you know, both of us, by the way, had a business background. Like I said, I was roasting coffee before that. I was I had a little lunch shop before that. I had my first ice cream parlor when I was 18. So I was a serial entrepreneur my whole life. In fact, the Clinton Foundation was really the first job I had where I actually answered uh, to someone else. Um, but uh, Johnny's life uh, in terms of business was similar. And we just found ourselves in a conversation one day and said, you know, we think, we think, we haven't learned everything, um, but we think that we can make probably even a better go at this if we switch over and do this as a business. There are some limitations as a nonprofit to what you can do, and we felt like you know we could take our lessons learned and kind of continue from there. So we asked for the Clinton Foundation's blessing. We got it. We stepped out, uh, started a B Corporation in Arkansas, um, and then uh, there you go. Now it's five years later, and we're going strong and growing like crazy and love, love, love our work with NCSEA, who's given us a tremendous assistance in this arena. 
There are two things that, you know, in learning about the in learning about what you do that I came across, the pay as you save model and Terrafon bill. And I know that they're related, but can you explain to us what the pay as you save model is, what Terrafon bill is, and how they relate to each other? Sure. So um, Terrafon bill, first and foremost, it's kind of like saying tissue paper and Kleenex. Uh, so pay as you save is a proven um, model of a Terrafon bill program that we have managed to operate now, and we operate it in four different states, soon to be five. And um, we have very, we have had very much success with that particular model. Uh, tariffed on bill is more of a genetic term, of, it's like as opposed to an on-bill loan program. It's a tariff on the bill as opposed to a loan. It's a very significant difference in the two. Um, and then pays is, is the model, sort of the tariffed on bill model that, uh, you know, we all aspire to to operate. It's it's uh, the one with the longest history. In fact, I'm not aware of another one. They're kind of one in the same right now. So what do you think the future is for tariff on bill and energy efficiency? I see the PAYS system or tariff on bill um, taking off nationwide. I think our service delivery of it is, that's this is all we do. Uh, we're kind of, we fit a niche market for sure. Um, we can partner with other program operators. There's too much work to be done and need to be done for utility to own the whole thing. We Honestly, I mean, that's ridiculous. We need to find other program operators that we can partner with and help stand up PAYS programs, uh, tariff on bill programs, uh, wherever they already work. And we're eager to do that. We are, we're happy to do that. Um, we cannot fight this fight alone. So our position is that the more the merrier. Um, so there's, again, there's plenty of work for everybody. It's, this is not about owning the market on service delivery of energy efficiency through tariffed on bill or pays. It's about we've got an issue, we've got an, a social equity issue, we've got a huge environmental issue in front of us. Um, we have also, though, with that, a huge opportunity through pays to heal on all fronts and, um, and create jobs. In the, can you imagine if the whole entire built environment in the United States of America had or had the ability financially, suddenly there was money to upgrade all of those structures, apartments, buildings, industries, homes. If there was money available to do so and heal the environment at the same time, can you imagine how many jobs that would create? Right. Talk about... I mean, it's phenomenal. And this little co-op, and I'll give you an example, Washita Electric Cooperative in the southern Arkansas Delta region, where this is a first pace program we stood up, um, have a, their household average median income is $29,000. Um, they deployed in the first, I think it was nine months that we stood up the PACE program, Washita Electric Cooperative uh, deployed $2 million dollars in upgrades into their members' homes and apartments in less than a year. Fast forward now, three years later, we've touched 10% of their member owners have, have received an energy efficiency upgrade. Wow. To include HVAC systems, you know, and then deep weatherization, insulation, air sealing. The money that's been deployed just in that little region, just by itself, is deployed locally. It's deployed for, it's paid for, for people to, you know, real jobs, good paying jobs. 
Um, and again, it, so that's like kind of like the fourth win. You know, it's not just the environment. It's not just, it's not just the person that's living there. It's not just the utility. We've got the local economy yeah. who, who thrives uh, when you've got additional resources being suddenly available. So, you know, in closing, Tammy, what are you most excited about right now that you're working on? Well, it's definitely the, you know, scaling of the PACE system of Terraform Bill. It's definitely, I see it all over the place in terms of its potential. There's an awful lot of interest from a variety of utilities all across the country um, that are trying to do some due diligence in the in this arena and see if it's, you know, financially viable for them to do it or not. Um, if any of those such folks are listening to that, the, you know, the best thing we can do is is uh, encourage them to do a, have a financial analysis done uh, so that, um, you know, a third party can come in and look at their numbers and see if it's a good investment opportunity for them. I think 90% of the utilities out there, if they did that step, they would see that, that the tariff on bill is an investment, that there is a good return on their investment, um, that, again, it, it, it checks all the boxes and opens up a ton of opportunities. So I'm excited about the opportunity to spread the news about PAYS. I thank you very much, Ben, for your time today and NCSEA's work in this space. Um, and uh, I'm excited to the potential that PAYS has to truly make the large impact that we need and to make it quickly. Um, I think it it's very exciting, and it, and it makes me go to work every day very encouraged. Well, Tammy... Thanks so much for providing a really compelling backstory that informed how you got into energy efficiency. That was really powerful to listen to. Thanks for talking to us about energy efficiency. It's so important. Really wanted to get that perspective on this show. It's something that we've been thinking about for a while. And thanks for being on the show. Oh, my gosh. My pleasure. And thanks to you, Ben. And thanks to NCSEA again. I NCSEA is a wonderful organization. I should mention NCSEA provides a loss reserve for any utility in the country that stands up tariffed on bill. Um, they saw that the perception of default, which it's not because it's a tariff, there's no loan, so there's no default, but the perception that utilities have that there's a risk um, that they won't get their investment back. Um, NCSEA has put together the Energy Solutions Reserve Fund uh, in order to mitigate that perception of risk and said, look, we know the risk is de minimis. Um, the risk is if a location like burns down or something, that, that's the only way a utility is not going to, you know, that goes offline. That's the only way the utility is not going to recover their investment. So we're going to stand up a loss reserve to make the utility whole in the case that that happens. So um, NCSEA's work in this space, as always, is absolutely wonderful. We couldn't have a better partner, and, and we couldn't be more thrilled um, that NCSEA is working with us on this effort. Absolutely. We're, we're happy to do it. It's something that is really core to our mission of bringing an equitable transition to clean energy. So you know all about that, and we appreciate your work. We're going to keep this partnership going. Tammy, thanks so much for being on the show. High fives, Ben. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Let's it. Let's get this high five on the... On the... Here we go. And 
There you have it, folks, the 12th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, bringing the latest in clean energy right to your ears. Got questions, comments, concerns? Shoot me an email at podcast at energync.org. Please go follow us on Instagram. We're at Squeaky Clean Podcast. And if you like the show, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your pods. It really helps us get more listeners. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, have a great day.